You're listening to The Catalyst with Samantha Chris, where we explore the inner workings of embracing the unknown, from ordinary daily habits to extraordinary measures. Get ready, we're about to ignite change and inspire action. Today's guest is the bee's knees and the owner of Miel MTL, Nicholas Melka. When life handed Nick a batch of lemons, he didn't make lemonade, he made honey. Faced with the debilitating symptoms of Lyme disease and other tick-borne illnesses, Nicholas was bedridden, sent to specialist after specialist, and prescribed over 1,000 pills of medication. Tired of the pain, medication, and damage, he began to look for something healing. Through natural medicines and consuming unprocessed honey, his life began to change within a matter of days. He was so inspired by the healing properties of honey and bees, he decided he had to help save the bees and create his own one-of-a-kind local and healing honey. Nick, welcome to the show. Hey guys, thanks for having me today. So you've got such an incredible story. I remember the first time I met you, I don't think five seconds went by before you started talking about honey and your journey and your smile was so bright. It lit up the room and you just had so much energy. It would have never occurred to me that you could have ever possibly been bedridden not all that long ago. Yeah, well, it was a crazy story. When I was about 19 years old, I ended up contracting Lyme disease and my life changed from being someone who was very active exercising over six days a week, um, involved in school, doing different projects, to being somebody who couldn't get out of bed, sick all the time, and had to go see different specialists to try to be able to get something that just got me a little bit better. And unfortunately, with all the medication, things ended up getting worse and worse. And uh, that's when one day I ended up finding a Chinese medicine doctor and a naturopath who helped inspire me to use foods and healing natural healing properties to be able to get better. And that's where I found honey. And uh, from there, uh, I knew I wanted to help save the bees. I love that. So before we get into the honey, because what you're building is just so incredible. I, for those who are unfamiliar with Lyme disease, can you briefly explain what it is and what some of the symptoms you were facing were? Lyme disease is a tick-borne bacteria that's hosted in the ticks and it usually comes from deers. And the Lyme disease bacteria, when it's transmitted from a tick to a human, gives a human something called Lyme disease or chronic Lyme disease. And depending on the symptoms, one judges the severity of the case of the Lyme disease. And oftentimes what happens is people who have different types of health problems or immune problems end up getting the biggest or worst symptoms, including joint pain, swelling, uncomfort, uh, stomach pain, abdominal pain, heart pain, dizziness, trouble walking, social anxiety. It has a whole slew of mental repercussions as well, as it's almost a parasite that starts to infect the body. And oftentimes the tick, when they carry one parasite, they also carry other parasites with it. And so unfortunately, I had many complications with my stomach and with my heart and it took a long time to be able to find things to get better. So one of the things that's very interesting to look at is inside bee venom, there are proteins apamin and melatonin, which are actually proven to kill the Lyme bacteria. 
So when I found that out and knew that through beekeeping, I could get stung and get, get better through Lyme disease, I just found that amazing. That is amazing. And is Lyme disease something that can be cured or controlled? Lyme disease is a little bit misunderstood. In Canada, they won't prescribe any long-term medications or antibiotics for it. While in the U.S., it's common to have specialists have a different mixture and, and different protocols. And different people have different and various success with the different protocols. Myself, I tried different medications. And like I said, at one point, I was on over 60 different pills a day. So over 1,000 pills a month. And ended up getting a lot of problems from my intestinal area, and I was in the hospital all the time. So I wanted to find something healing that could help my stomach and my abdomen and my organs. And that's when I was recommended honey, raw honey, unprocessed honey. You started to feel alleviated from some of those symptoms within a matter of days. So what did that look like when you've you know, been suffering for what probably felt like forever and then finally started to feel a little bit of relief? It was crazy. I remember it was probably the fifth time that I was leaving the hospital and I just I was almost crying. I just said I couldn't do this anymore. I was 21 years old and uh, was constantly in pain. The school asked me to leave. Uh, things weren't going well with my social life. And uh, I personally was at the lowest point in my life. And that's when I said I needed to do something and find something. And so when I, when I asked for things that were healing, one of the things we recommended was the honey. And it was recommended to be taken in hot water, not boiling water to sterilize the honey, but hot water as a tea. When I started taking this honey in the water three times a day, it was so soothing that I went from eating under 500 calories a day to starting to eat a regular diet. I went from being bedridden to starting to exercise. I went from having no energy to having a lot of energy. I went from having no passion to being very inspired just within three days, just from the wow. honey. And I noticed that every type of honey had different properties depending on what flowers it came from. So I started collecting honey from local flowers and from flowers across the world. And I had a beautiful collection. And that really inspired me to wanna to make one of my own honeys. And through the beautiful journey is where I learned about the bees. And when I learned that the bees weren't doing well, I said, hey, I would love to be able to help save the bees and really make a one of a kind healing honey. But you didn't stop there. I mean, you're going on this journey. You're healing yourself. You are taking it upon yourself to educate not only you, but your community. And then you're deciding, I'm actually going to make a business out of this. <laughs> That's exactly that. And the first year, we only had the goal of doing um, 200 jars. And to start a business, there was a lot involved. So I took a few months to do the research. I met with beekeepers, I asked questions, I took notes, I read books, I watched videos, I listened to podcasts, I read online, I went to forums, and I got an education from every perspective that I could. And I tried to build up enough of a repertoire to be able to have my first couple beehives and have my first honey. And that's when I discovered that you needed to have a brand name and you needed to register this name. And so I started thinking, Nick's bees, Nick's honey. <laughs> and that's when I realized that we live in Quebec and there are language laws. And it turns out that the brand name has to be in French. And so I started thinking, Miel, Miel Montreal. And that's when everything just lined up, Miel MTL, the honey from Montreal, from the bees to help the bees locally. And we do it in a way that's organic and raw. And 
when we started this project, I, I call it a project because I had the goal of making enough honey to cover the expenses in the beehives and also to make enough honey for myself and the community. And the first month, the bees ate all 200 pounds of honey that I wanted to produce. Mm. And that's when I learned that the bees prize their beeswax, which is their house and their infrastructure. And they need to eat 10 pounds of honey for every pound of beeswax. So sometimes you have to think about the building steps and not just getting there. And so I took the resources and the time to build what I had. And we ended up finishing the year producing and selling over a thousand jars. Five times our goal. Right. I mean, 200 to a thousand, that's a big leap. And so even though we lost the 200 jars at first, we, we rebuilt, we got it done. And when I say we, I mean me and my bees. (laughs) 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 And, uh, the first winter came by, and so I went to one of the leading beekeepers in Quebec, who was one of my mentors and, you know, still is to date. And I said, you know, Emmanuel, how do we winter the bees? And so he, he told me his technique, and he got all the equipment, and three months went by, and all the bees were alive. And then one week in January came with the freezing rain, and all of the entrances froze shut, and all of my hives died. Mm. And I was devastated because now I had all these ambitions of being able to have more bees and help more people and have more honey and start this part time. And now all of a sudden everything was gone and the money that we had raised, we had spent a lot of it to be able to get where we were and to invest it. And so I was at a point where I was crying because I lost my bees that I loved and I lost what we had built and I didn't have, you know, my business and, And I asked myself, how can we change this? How come people don't have bees? And when I asked myself that question, it's because people don't have the opportunity to have bees. They don't Mm -hmm. have the know-how, they don't have the experience, they don't have the permits. And so I figured if I could provide the people the opportunity, a once in a lifetime opportunity to have their own bees and their own honey and their own beautiful jars, that they might be able to give me a shot. And so we went from the seven beehives in the first year to zero in winter to 37 the next year. Wow. So with that tragedy ended up coming one of our strongest forthcomes, which was our have your own hive program. And that was one of the pillars to be able to be engaged in the community and to be able to have bees with families, schools, restaurants, hospitals, and give these bees a chance to be able to pollinate help our flowers, fruits, trees, vegetables, and create that honey for the community. I think that's such a good life lesson too, right? I mean, there are going to be unforeseen circumstances or experiences or realities that just knock us down. And we have the option to say, okay, this is done. It was a good run. Or we have the option to reinvent ourselves and to innovate and say, what is the root cause, why did this crumble and what can we do to rebuild even stronger? And we have so much ability and there's so much stuff that we haven't even tried yet that we might be the biggest experts at. And there's so many partners that I have who took time for them to find what they're good at. And once they found it, they never looked back. And so one of the most fantastic things for what I'm doing today is before I did this, this male MTL career or job, um, beekeeping mission. I was a graphic designer. I was a photographer. I was a website developer. I was product designer. I was a construction worker. 
And all of those tools I used in my business. I used the construction to build the beehives and the resources and got it for a lot less and got exactly what I needed. I used the graphic design to create our labels. I used the website development to be able to create our website. I used the photography to showcase our brand. And I used all of the different skills and resources as an entrepreneur to be able to leverage it. And so it's actually seems like everything sort of happens for a reason mm -hmm. that we can learn from it and take it for the future and invest it one step forward. I love how it came full circle. I have somewhat of a similar path where I went from addictions counseling to wedding planning, to marketing, to business consulting. And at the surface, you might look at it and think, oh my goodness, how do those fit? What is the common denominator? And the reality is as a business consultant and coach, I'm pulling through the skills that I learned as a counselor. All these skills I learned as a wedding planner in organizing, in vendor negotiation, in marketing, kind of paved the path for my marketing career, which allowed me, I mean, as you can imagine, the skills to market myself as a business owner and thought leader. So I love to see that it all came together, but it doesn't happen by accident. I mean, you're in that position and you're thinking, okay, what tools do I have in my tool belt that can, I'm metaphorically, but also physically, <laughs> as someone who has experience with construction, but what tools do I have that can really help me build my mission? And I love that your mission is not just about monetizing. It's about changing the way beekeeping is done. It's about changing people's perception of bees and educating them and improving the local ecosystem to really, at the same time, strengthen bonds within the community. That's so beautiful. Is that something that you kind of proactively thought about before going into this journey is how do I not only build the business, but bring people together? It's so funny because when I started and I, I was telling people, you know, I'm going to have my own bees and I'm going to have my own honey. I thought people th would think I was crazy because I thought bees were going to come at me like paintballs. <laughs> Little did I know you can pick them up with any single finger and, and none of my bees will sting you. But long story short, it's amazing to see that um, when I started, I had this initiative to help save the bees and create the honey. And then through that, I was so inspired by how appreciative people were and how interested people were and how much of an opportunity I had to teach people mm -hmm. and to help bring this community together. And so it was through the second and the third year where I started developing this sense of community and wanting to teach a community, have the bees in the community, help the vegetables, flowers, fruits, and trees in the community, and be able to create presentations in the community. And then I started doing presentations with the schools, whether it was daycares, whether it was elementary school, whether it was high school. And I ended up trying to make sure that people had a different perspective on bees because believe it or not, I didn't grow up with bees and I didn't grow up with honey. And so I can imagine how other people don't have the same perspective that I have today. So I want to help inspire others by being able to help share what I have and be able to create a social enterprise where not only do we help the bees in the environment, but we also help the community and help the people. And one of the also fantastic things about what we do as a business is we are also helping other businesses, whether it's through fundraising or through sales of different honey products. It's amazing to see our partners also succeed with us and help the community as well. 
I think it's also really beautiful and beyond helping them on a business level where I've seen a lot of your partners, I know some of them personally, what makes them feel really good is that they feel like they actually can make a difference in the environment, in our community, and they feel they are capable of making positive changes through what you've put in place, which I think is such a nice takeaway because sometimes when we hear about what's going on in the environment, in the world, we can feel really helpless and convince ourselves that we're just one person, we're just one company, we're just one group of people. We can't actually make a difference, but you are disproving that real quick. Oh, it's crazy. And I remember when my school kicked me out, they, Bishop's University, they kindly asked me to leave because I was too sick or unwell to be able to do all my assignments or go to class or one, one time after another, I was asking for an extension or a delay and they kicked me out and I was at rock bottom and that's where I found my inspiration. Once I started getting better through the bees and today, um, every year I go back to Bishop's University to speak to the students and to the staff. And so it's amazing what opportunities lie ahead of us, what, what we can achieve individually. And usually it comes from finding something we're so passionate about that we can't help but share it. Mm. So with passion being that undercurrent and real driver behind everything you do, it, this might be a difficult question, but if you had to pick one favorite thing about what you do with Miel and Tail, what would it be? My favorite thing about Miel and Tail is the opportunities it's brought. It's, it's brought every opportunity I've had. It's brought opportunities to be able to help give back jobs, opportunities to help the bees, opportunities to go speak to schools or go to different schools, opportunities to have uh, other careers if I wanted to or experience, opportunities to get engaged with schools or businesses that I would normally never have an opportunity to. Mm. So one of the things is if we put ourselves in a position doing something that's going to bring opportunities, our life is going to be more fulfilled. And, and it was an opportunity in money. It was opportunity in terms of different fields of success and development. And through that, it's brought me a lot. If there's anything that the bees can teach us about change, what do you think that would be? One of the most interesting thing about the bees is the bees are a family unit. Without them being in a family, they all die. And if they don't act as a family, they'll all die. And so the bees always have a sense of being together and being on the same page. And so if there's a problem with the queen and the queen is missing, the bees know and they'll raise new queens. If, if there's not enough space, the bees are going to build more wax. If there's not enough honey, the bees are going to go collect more. If there's a problem, there's going to be more guards. And so there's this huge sense of community and being together and looking out for the different needs. And not just the individual needs, but the community needs. Mm -hmm. And it's like the example of when we're driving and most people are following the rules. And <laughs> You have that one crazy guy who's going <laughs> to cut everyone else off. Who's, it's not that he's the worst guy in the world. He's just not looking after the needs and the bigger picture of the community. And I find once we can move towards looking out for each other, it starts being a much more wonderful place. 
And it's a mindset. And once you start giving that energy, that's what you receive. I work with many hospitals and hotels and government associations. And sometimes these people can be very tough or executive. But when you talk about the bees or you talk with care and passion and respect, you get that equal care, passion, respect back. And it's amazing how many wonderful people are out there that maybe you'd never expect. Yeah, that you just need to take the time. And put out the right energy to be able to get the right energy back. Right. So it's interesting you're talking about how this has been almost a kind of core pillar or value of the business that you're building. And I see it in the way that you operate, in the way that you communicate with people. And as I am witnessing your expansion, that sense of togetherness is very much a part of um, the culture of Miel MTL. But for someone who's at the very beginning of their journey thinking, and I say their journey, I mean more specifically their entrepreneurial journey, who might be thinking, well, I've, this is you know, an impossibility for me. I've studied something completely different. My experience is completely different. I don't even know where to begin. What advice would you have for them to try something totally different and trust in their ability to build it? If people could take out one or two things from this conversation, one of the things that's helped me the most to be where I am today in a business sense and in the personal sense is being able to have goals. Just writing down what goals I have for this year, whether it be how many bees I want to have, what kind of revenue or income source I want to attain, whether it's going to be what, how many presentations I want to do, what type of relationship I want to be in. I need to establish a goal. What do I want? And the next thing I'm going to do from there is just write down what steps do I need to take to get to that goal. And as soon as I've done that, I've established two things. I've established what do I want and I've established how do I get there. Mm -hmm. What do I want? My goals. How do I get there? The steps. As soon as you do those two things, the only thing left is to start taking action. And as soon as you've written down your steps, as soon as you do one of them, you've achieved short-term success. And so what I did was I wrote down my goal of doing 200 jars. And then I wrote down, what do I need to get there? I need seven beehives. What do I need for seven beehives? Seven colonies, seven beehives for equipment, 700 jars for honey. And I got those things. As soon as I got those things and added them together, I now had bees and 700 jars of honey. So mm -hmm. that was the short-term success. And as soon as I stuck with it, the next year I had an opportunity to say, hey, this year I want 30 beehives. I want 3,000 jars of honey. And that's where I started working towards the long-term success is sticking with it. So short-term goals, steps to get there that are realistic, and then sticking with it, and then you'll have everything. So you almost make it sound so easy. I mean, as someone who is obsessed with goal setting, I'm listening to this and thinking, mm-hmm, yep, that speaks my language. But I also know that I work with people who get completely overwhelmed by the steps because there's no shortage of opportunity. There's no shortage of people to reach out to, but it's knowing where to start or feeling comfortable in saying, you know what, I don't actually know, but I'm just going to start somewhere because if I don't, this is the end of this dream. The goal is not taking flight. It's not getting off the ground. Yes. And so as someone who had to basically teach himself everything about this industry, how did you decide where to start? It's something that I'm thinking of as you were speaking, something I do every single day, something I'm going to continue to do, and something you'll see everywhere in my office. 
and something you'll hear many successful entre entrepreneurs talk about. It's something called a to-do list. And I write down all the things I want to do, everything. I want to make a good schedule for this year. I want to get a new cart. I want to make new contracts. I need to get probiotics for these. I just write it down. Mm -hmm. And I have about 10 lists. And every day I go to the office, I just pick out one or two lists that I want to do. And so one of the lists yesterday was to be able to make partnerships. So I called a few people, made the partnerships. Mm -hmm. I had a list that said to make the barcodes. So I finished that. So one of the things I try to tackle are lists of things to do. Mm -hmm. And we all are emotional beings. That's one of the wonderful things about being humans. That's part of our journey here in life is to be able to experience these different emotions. And so as emotional beings, we don't always feel like doing everything. If we did, we'd be in a different place. And sometimes we have to push ourselves. And so what I like to do is I like to target and to do the things that are easiest for me first. So I write down a list of things to do where I have more than one thing. And I do the things that I'm feeling like doing. And I keep accomplishing one thing after another, one thing after another, one thing after another. And I don't let things get in the way or slow me down. And it's been amazing to be able to see how many lists I can go through in a single week. I can go through 10 papers with 10 different things to do on it. And it keeps me organized. And also nothing's in my head. Hmm. I don't have to think about, oh, what do I have to do? How many things are going on? Everything is nicely organized. And I can tackle one thing at a time as I'm ready for it. That's so key because when you do the things, first of all, getting it out of your head and onto paper or out into the world, whether that's on a screen, on your laptop, on your phone, on a napkin that you find, just getting it out of your head, I think is a really great first step so that you don't feel bogged down by all the angles that you can take and doing the things that are easy or that you want to do, I think really is important in building the momentum because when you accomplish it, you're thinking, oh, that wasn't so bad or that actually felt really good. And then you feel a little more confident in taking perhaps some of the harder steps or the bigger tasks that are on that to-do list. Totally. And, you know, sometimes cleaning is part of the process. And so sometimes when we're not in the mood to do some of the bigger tasks, we can always clean up whatever mm -hmm. that sense of the word might mean at the time. Yeah, that's definitely good advice. So I know I personally always, always have at least one jar of mail MTL in my house. I will never go without it because now that I've tried it, it's in every tea, it's on every piece of toast, everything that I serve. There's a little bit of honey in there. For people who are looking to taste it, to buy it, to get involved, what would be the best way to get in touch with you and support your initiatives? Well, one of the amazing things we try to do is we try to showcase our adventure and our mission through Instagram on MTL on Instagram. And that's where we have the beautiful pictures of our bees and our partners, our honeys, where we are. We have some nice descriptions. We also have our beautiful new website that I worked on and developed in the past two weeks, mielmtl.com. And there you can see different information about us, about the honey, different facts. Um, you can find where to find our product in stores. And you can also reach me and contact me directly if you have any questions related to anything. You want to be inspired. You want to come check it out. And I personally have our brand new offices in the South Shore. So if anyone is very inspired and wants to come give us a hand this summer, they're more than welcome to send us a message and come for a visit. Come give us a hand. Come make some honey. We make this incredible one-of-a-kind honey where we take the bees into consideration and our focus is to put the bees first. So my mission is to help save the bees and to bring back the honey. 
And so one of the things we wanted to do was change the traditional model of feeding the bees a sugar syrup or corn syrup, which believe it or not, 70% of the honeys on the market are tested to be adulterated with sugars or corn mm. syrup. So one of the things that we wanted to do was create an authentic honey. So for every pound of honey we collect, we leave a pound for the bees. And it does two things. It helps support the bees, sustain the bees, give them an authentic and healing food. And then when we collect our honey, for every jar that we collect, we give back a jar to the bees. And so it's a healing model. And this sustainable and cruelty-free model of having the bees and the honey in the neighborhoods has allowed people to directly contribute to the bees in the community. And a single jar of our honey has over a million flowers. So to That's preserve crazy. the integrity, we want to keep it cold extracted and showcase it by location. One of my favorite things about your brand and what it is that you're creating is the jars that I purchase are from flowers that are in parks near me, parks that I walk through every week, every season. I bring my dogs there, I have picnics there. And to know that it is from our community and, and you're doing this across Montreal is really, really special. Not only because you're consuming, really supporting a local product, but you're actually giving back to the bees in your very neighborhood. They're kind of like your neighborhood bees, which I think is really great. And for those listening who are thinking, yeah, I actually would love to give a helping hand. What does that look like? So helping bees can be done in several ways. First way, which anyone can do, is it's increasing the green zone in the flowers. So one of the easiest ways is not by planting flowers, it's by not cutting the flowers, so by not cutting the dandelions, by not cutting the clovers, all these beautiful flowers which naturally provide all of the pollen and nectar for the bees, which is essential for life, especially in spring. And so by having a lawn that you can keep that has more biodiversity is incredible. Having a garden, whether it be flowers or fruits, that's another incredible way. Another way is to cut down on toxins. Bees are very, very sensitive. And in fact, studies show that it can render them mentally handicapped. Mm. So we want to make sure that we limit and cut out all pesticides, chemicals. And the government of, and Quebec, Montreal, have made more and more regulations to ban pesticides on bee foraging flowers. But as a community, we have to do our best to enforce those laws. The last things that I would say you can do, which is really cute, is you can go online and search for a bee hotel. And a bee hotel is um, an arts and craft project or, or something you can get online to be able to host native and local bees. And it's something that everyone can have installed in their garden or backyard or the back of their apartment complex or in any local community garden. It's safe, it's legal, it hosts our local cute little bees. And the last thing people can do is get involved with us or with other similar organizations where they can hands-on help the bees get involved, maybe one day host one of their own colonies. And that's something they can do by either reaching out and messaging us, MTL, or by going online and doing some research. We're very open and very friendly, so we can help guide you in any direction. And one of the things that we encourage are for people just to try to be more bee-friendly and to just take the environment into consideration, less toxins, less waste, reuse, recycle. I love it. Thank you for sharing. I think it's really important because I have no doubt that local people who are listening to this will think, wow, it's really great. I can go visit their offices. I can really contribute in a hands-on way, but it's helpful to know that for those listening elsewhere, that there are things they can do 
from their own backyard to really help support this initiative and save the bees. Yes. It's, it's been really wonderful. And one of the things that really inspires people is to see that <laughs> the bees are so friendly that you can pick them up. They're like a cat or dog when they're treated with respect. It's almost like they purr. And there's many videos on, on my social media you can see where you can pet our bees. Which I think is really cool because, I, I mean, I'll speak for myself. I know that when I was younger, it's you, you kind of swat them away, right? You're taught like they're harmful. They'll sting you. You want to be careful. And it's actually been a really beautiful journey to watch and to see unfold because there's, like you said, they have personality. They, they, they don't want to hurt. They want to contribute and give back. And if you appreciate them and embrace them, then they're really not anything to fear. Yeah. And believe it or not, 99.9% .9 of bees will never sting in their life. The times I get stung, it's usually when I accidentally squish a bee. Oh no. <laughs> so we do our best to be able to not be the enemy to them and we're very friendly. And so when we beekeep, we have special protocol and we've seen beehives that were a little bit more defensive become so friendly. So it's all about respect. Yeah, I love that. Another good life lesson, right? Yes. So much to learn from these bees. Lots to learn and lots to appreciate. Absolutely. Well, I'm going to be sure to drop the link to Miel MTL's website and social handles in the show notes so you have everything you need to reach out to Nick and his team and see how you can support and get yourself a jar because it is absolutely delicious. This is going to be the best honey you've ever tasted, I promise. Nick, thank you so much for sharing not only your knowledge, but your story. It is an incredible one, and I really appreciate having you on the show today. Thank you so much, Em. It's been so wonderful. I hope everyone's been able to take something out. I hope we've inspired you, and I hope today you can go out and make one beautiful change. Friends, thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of The Catalyst with Samantha Chris. If you like what you heard, be sure to leave us a review and subscribe so you never miss an episode. Until next time, I hope you're feeling a little more equipped to lean into the unknown and take inspired action.